God is good. All right. If you cannot see me, if you can, yeah, behind the uh, pores and everything. Okay, I'll I'll come to you. Do not worry. Uh, just to let you know, I've been I'm expect, experimenting something from since last week. If you have a U version Bible app you use, you can find today's message on the event. And I think we should have a little, um, yeah. And uh, if you go into that Bible app on the you, on the bottom of the on the left hand side, you will see a little three bars. I believe you click that, there will be an events. If you press press the events, it will. Uh, and if you allow that your phone to uh, recognize your location, you'll see uh, Hope Church man, and the message right on the thing. You can. In a, this is not so that you can just you can follow along through my message, but also you can save it. You can actually go back and look at it again too. So this uh, this is sort of helpful so that you know, you feel like you have to take a note. You don't have to take a note, and it, it's all in there, right? All right. I'm going through. I am still in mess up message the messages. I'm going through a series called Life in the Spirit, and now at this and in this uh, part of the series, I'm going through the Book of Acts. I really believe this is the, uh, uh, when you look at the church and the early church, the really Christian life is a life lived in the spirit of God. And as you look at the book of Acts, uh, my goal is, my goal is first to really look at the word of God to see how spirit of God is working in our lives, how we live our lives as sons and daughters of God, people adopted by the spirit of God and adopted as sons and daughters of God. Today's title, unlike your bulletin insert, I changed a little bit. Uh, I changed it a little bit to uh, Builders of Hope, not Unsung Heroes. You can, both works well, okay. Now, I don't know if you have seen this uh, picture. I don't know. If you go to our church uh, Facebook uh, page, official page, you'll see this thing. This was something, the, the card we made uh, about... A little over two years ago, when he wanted to, and we have a number of these cards. We made some of these cards to pass it around, and you know, and, and reminded we are called to add hope in the people's lives, and we are a whole house of prayer for everyone. We are hope givers and builders, and I have number of cards in the back. I want you to take at least one, and 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 pray about it and give it somebody you work with, somebody near you. Also, that uh, what is that? That when before you go, we have number of these. Uh, I want I, I want you to share with others, and it's really about the uh, Safe Family 5K Run, Agape Run. And by the way, because of the safely, I got involved in planning for this walk, or run, whatever. And so I want to encourage people. It's awareness, not uh, awareness, more than anything else. Better than more, more, more than fundraising, but it's really awareness letting people know what's going on, what's helpful. So, just want to mention that a little bit. Let's pray a little bit. Father, we just come right now in the amazing, beautiful name of our Lord Jesus, God, who chases after us. To those of us, all of us who do not deserve it, who didn't earn it, but yet you come after us with your love. You lavish your love upon us. You even gave your life to be may find life in you. That you have rescued us out of our pits, our prisons. You made us alive. You gave us life. We thank you for your grace. I thank you. We thank you for your promise. When we gather in the name of Jesus, you will be in our midst, in our special manifest ways. We give you glory, God. As you come today, as you worship you, we lift our eyes, we lift our, we lift our heart, we open our arms. We come and say, we want to see you, meet with you today. Meet, meet with us today. We love you, we honor you, we give you glory. In the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. God is good? All right. Let's look at this a little bit. I want to cover a lot today, and, I, and, and I'm going to move quickly along. And uh, last week we saw... Uh, 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 how one of the most one of the most significant figures in church history 
in Christian church, Apostle Paul, how he encountered God. And as I think about, as I think about conversion of Apostle Paul, who was a Saul, who was a ravager, destroyer of the church, how he was, he was one who was going after church, ravaging the church, and how he got permission not only to destroy church in Jerusalem, but also beyond. He was on the way to Damascus. On the road, he meets God, encounters God, and powerful encounter with God. His transformed man, how he became, how he met God, how his life was totally transformed. Later, he becomes the, one of the greatest apostles ever who brought the gospel, good news, beyond Jerusalem, beyond Jewish people to Gentiles, older people. As I think about the story, what happened, I can, just, just, I can see actually, if he was here, he'd be singing the song we sang this morning, Reckless Love of God. I could see him singing, I didn't earn it, I didn't deserve it, yet you come after me, you chase after me. That's what God did for Paul, Saul. He has done that to us as well. Today, we want to continue, we want to continue on in this uh, in the chapter 9 of the book of Acts, I've been, I planned my messages way in advance. I was going to talk about Cornelius in chapter 10 of the book of Acts, but I couldn't, fin- I couldn't just go on without finishing chapter 9. It's such an important passage. I wish I had about five hours to talk to you about this. If you can just stay till dinner, we can talk about this. Right? I want to talk about all the things. It's such an important passage, a story, because so many things are going in. I wish I had time to talk about it. If you want a private talk, I can do that. I'll, I'll do that one-on-one with you. I'll buy you coffee. We can sit down and talk about this for a couple hours. Right? If, if this guy moved. Okay. Today's text is Acts chapter 9, verse 26 to 43. We're going to move quickly along with this. Now, let me remind you, book of Acts really begins with one, one verse that really uh, a outline or promise of the whole book of Acts. When Jesus gave that pre-ascension word and command and promise to God's people, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. That's what Jesus said. And you can actually, if you look at verse 1, the chapter, well, chapter 1, verse 8, you see whole book of Acts, 28 chapters, or you see an outline of that. Anyway, let me begin. Okay, I'm going to start with verse 19 a little bit, and uh, really. Now, after Saul got converted and how he encountered God, right away he began to go and preach the gospel. Look at what it says. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. You know how significant that is. The apostles, the, the 12 apostles who were, were taught by Jesus for two and a half years, they were not the one who first says, uh, declared Jesus the Son of God. It is, it is this newly converted Saul was trained in Old Testament theologies, Old Testament understanding of God. After he encountered Christ, he understood that Jesus is not only Messiah, but Son of God. He began to declare he is the Son of God. First time mentioned in the book of Acts. There's a theological thing going on in this passage that I wish I have time to talk about. Anyway, all those hearing him continue to be amazed, were saying, is this not he who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name and who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? The people at, at the synagogues were saying, this is a guy who destroyed church. And now why is he going on and proclaiming about Jesus as a son of God? And they, they were stunned and amazed. Verse 22, uh, it says, But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. He was the first one, more than the apostles, the apostles he was the first one proving that Jesus is the Messiah through the scriptures. Let me go on. Um, it's really, it's, this is really lagging today. And, and the next verse it says, 
I highlighted it when many days had elapsed. Now let me stop right here. When you read this book of Acts chapter 9 in that phrase, it seems like many days, maybe many weeks. No. If you look at what Apostle Paul says, he, that's about three years right here. Oh, no, Luke does not mention this, but in, uh, Paul in his own uh, uh, talking about his history of his life, how he, while he was in Damascus, he went away to Arabia, a desert place, for three years, really thinking and considering and really thinking through about who Christ is, what happened to him, all that. that that's three years. And then and, and the, the many days as he left, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. Now, after three years, he came back to Damascus, began to continue to teach and preach about Jesus Christ. And the Jews plotted together to do away with him. Let me stop right here, and I need to say something here. This is where Galatians chapter 1, Paul talks about himself. But when God, who has set me apart even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Now, I, I need to say, this is a quote that I, I found. I, I want to quote this a little bit. This is a quote from um, uh, S.D. Gordon, quoted by uh, J. Oswald Sanders. Uh, J. Oswald Sanders is the, you know, the one who... Uh, the uh, what, what what famous uh, the devotions? What is? Yes, my unmerciful for his. Oh, yes, okay, that's right up there. And he he quotes S. C. Gordon. He says, "God is anxious that his children get good education. Every person that he has used has had a course in the University of Arabia, a wilderness training. Joseph, Moses, Elijah, John, the baptizer, Paul." Justin Taylor, even the divine son himself. These are few of the distinguished graduates of the school. He goes on to say, but the fee is large, the cost severely high, the discipline, discipline exacting, and many who don't keep it up but drop out. The marked results are broad, prospective, steady nerves, keen eyesight and insight. There come utter, there come utter dependence of God. Utter independence of man or human beings, childlike simplicity, warm sympathy, and deep humility. humility. But the highest degree goes to patience, the rarest trait of all, most godlike, hardest, the longest to acquire. God has no shortcuts in his training. The thing that in this verse we didn't, unless you stop and think, we do not understand, what we can miss is how when Paul, when Saul met Christ, and, and the, on the, with Damascus, and God took him away into the desert for three years, be trained, and really trained in the spirit about who Christ is. This is where he understood the deep things about Jesus Christ and the whole lot of revelation of who God really is. Spent three years in that place being trained. This is where he learned the fruit of the spirit, the spirit of love, joy, peace, all those things. This is where you learn that Christ is the long-awaited, not only Messiah, but Son of God. That He is God's Son, the second person in, in a triune Godhead. All those are born out of that three years of training He did in the wilderness. And, you know, and we mentioned a little bit last week about how some of us may be on the road to Damascus to meet God. And some of us actually in the school of Desert or Arabia being trained by our God. God is shaping and moving us. This is something that if you do not look carefully, you'll miss it in the, today's text. Let me go on. I'm getting too excited. It's too warm here. God is good? Okay. This guy's a little lagging. Okay. Let me go back. Verse 23. When many days has elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. 
as Paul was proclaiming Christ now with whole lot more authority and power increasing in strength. The Jews who used to be his allies now are threatened. They want to kill him, plotted to kill Saul. But his, and the Saul found out about the plot and his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. Now, he was three years in the, in the Arabia being trained, being really growing in God. Now, he comes to begin to preach again, talk about Christ in Damascus. Now, they want to kill him. Now, what he does is he goes to Jerusalem to meet with other leaders, other apostles in Jerusalem. Paul, Saul goes to Jerusalem is what happens in the next section. When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. Now he was almost threatened to his death for his life in Damascus. Now he comes to Jerusalem seeking to meet other Christians and meet leaders, and they do not accept him. This is important because the Paul, this Saul, later, down, later on down, he's going to be apostle to the Gentiles. And here, and this this, in, in this meeting is such an important meeting for the history of the church, what God will be doing in the whole world. And that yet the, the church were too scared to meet him because they knew his reputation. And a number of years ago, how this guy shows up, says, I'm a Christian. Would you believe him? Now about three, and, and he, was, he's, he was away for three years when they come back and say, I'm a, I'm a Christian now. And they are afraid. They're scared to talk with him and bring him in because how do you know he's not a spy coming in subtly to catch more Christians? Next verse I love. But Barnabas, I love that man Barnabas, the Barney. I love him, not the purple, purple monster, but I love Barnabas. If there was a character in the Bible I love more than anyone else is Barnabas. More than Paul or Peter, I love Barnabas. I love Barnabas. That, that man is a great man. Now, if you remember um, earlier, I think chapter 4 of Book of Acts, that earlier in, the earlier in the days of the early church, they talked about Barnabas. It says in chapter 4, verse 36, Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostle, which translated his name meant son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. Guys who is an encourager. And he and, and who owned the tract of land, sold it and brought it to the money and laid it at the apostles. He was the one who would sell his things to help others in the church voluntarily. This was Barnabas. He was an encourager. He was, he really lived out his faith in Christ, really doing all this thing. Now you'll find in this chapter 9 when all the people couldn't trust what Saul, who Saul is saying he is. He, look at the verse again. Okay, let me go back. I want to look at the verse. It says, took hold of him, brought him to the apostles and, and, and described to them how he has seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him. And how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. When everybody was scared, he sat down and talked with him, heard his story. Really the language is literally he hold him, took his hand, hold it, took him in to where the apostles were. And he introduced him to them and talked, defended him in front of them, how he met God. How he encountered God and, and, and all that happened, how he, you know, how he... Um, uh, preached the gospel in Damascus, all that. He believed in him. He believed in this man. You'll find, um, this is the, one of my favorite speakers, John C. Maxwell. So he says this, I think many people believe the best way they can help others is to criticize them, to give them the benefit of their wisdom. Their wisdom. I disagree. The best way to help people is to see the best in them. That's what, that's what Barnabas did. He saw best in this guy. You know, often we judge people by their past. Right? Often we judge people by their past. Here you find 
Barnabas didn't judge Saul by his past. Your past shouldn't define who you are. You are, better, you are more than your past. You are, that, you are different from your past. He believed in the best of the person. That's what encouragement is. Few of other uh, quotes I found, John Maxwell says, says this, encouragement is oxygen for the soul. Oxygen for the soul. Encouragement strengthens us. Another quote by John Maxwell, a word of encouragement from a teacher to a child can change a life. A word of encouragement from a spouse can save a marriage. A word of encouragement from a leader can inspire a person to reach her potential. I like it. It says her, not him, his, right? I like it. Her potential. This little thing, right? I like it. You know, he is very inclusive. I love it. A word of encouragement from a leader can inspire a person to reach her potential. Encouragement builds our people. It's, we live in a world where we're so divided. We're so divided. We do not trust one another. This is the people, we, the world we live in. And, and often we, we, can, we can divide the world into two ways. This is what somebody, uh, this is what uh, I think uh, William Barclay says. The world is largely divided into those who think the best of others and those who think the worst. And it is one of the curious facts of life that ordinarily we see our own reflection in others and make them what we believe them to be. If we insist on regarding a man with suspicion, we will end by making him, to, him do suspicious things. If we insist on believing in a man, we will end by compelling him to justify that belief. But no one, no one believed in human beings like Jesus did. Jesus believed in us when we are not believable or worthy. But yet he believed in us even to die on the cross for us. And encouragement really is Christ-like character. And, you know, and, and, and yes, people hurt us. Yes, people do wrong things. I find often we uh, look at people and, and often we do that when people make a mistake, we write them up as if lost forever. And they will never, but will not. And, and that. I remember when I was younger as Christian, when I was younger, young, young, young man as a Christian, and I remember People, people used to talk about in the church, can a divorced person be a pastor? Somebody, I remember that's about 20-some years ago, and people are talking about if, if a pastor had a failure in marriage and, and, and got divorced, can he be a pastor again? I mean, similar thing, uh, similar kind of things are talked about in maybe different categories. If somebody fallen in this way, can they serve God again? And often it's so easy for us to judge people by the past. But Barnabas didn't do that. Barnabas sat down and heard him, his story, and how he came to know Christ and all that. And he believed in this man and vouched for him. He put his, put his reputation down and made a way for him. Barnabas was, was an in, interceder a reconciler and an enabler. He was able to forgive and put aside the past, to trust Saul despite his past and dangers. He believed the best of others. How wonderful and God-honoring is Barnabas syndrome. May his tribe increase. May his tribe increase. I'm not saying we should be gullible. What I'm saying is I believe we are called to be people who encourage others. Like we, I, we, we, all of us have some stories, some stories where some people trusted in you and encouraged you and made you to soar beyond what you are. I have stories, so many stories like that in my life. Also, I've seen it in my daughters and how encouragement can change us. And then one of the things I realized when I look at the story of Saul, if Barnabas, the way he encouraged Barnabas, opened the door in his life. Encouragement opens the door. For people. That's what happened here. 
the Galatians chapter 1, Apostle Paul continues and say how he went to Jerusalem. And three ladies, a year later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, meaning Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I did not see any other apostle except James, the brother, Lord's brother, who was the leader of the church at the time. Because Barnabas took his hand and, and, and took him to that Peter and the other apostle, James, you know, and, and introduced and vouched for him, he got to spend 15 days with Paul, Peter. And he got to meet up with his leaders. And, and so this is what we are seeing here. I love this and about. And he was with them, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. Because somebody believed in him. Somebody opened the door for him. Encouragement opens the door for others. And he was talking and arguing with Hellenistic Jews. And, but they were attempting to put him to death. Now, I want you to think about this one sentence, one verse here, 29. Remember a number of years, some years ago when Stephen was, when he was, Stephen was stoned to death. He was defending Christ in front of the Jewish, Hellenistic Jews. The same, same people he was part of. And he went back to the same people who condemned Stephen and killed Stephen. He goes and speaks about Jesus to them. I could see him as he defended Christ and how he proved Christ to them. I could see his emotions welling up in him. How he could, he could see how Stephen stood in the same place, spoke about Jesus. How he said, I got him killed. But yet he's now in that place declaring about Jesus Christ again. And now the same people who wanted to kill Saul as well. But the brethren learned of it. They brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. Now he'll be gone. He'll, he'll, Tarsus is his home. He'll be gone, going home for about 11 years. Under the years of silence, whether he'll be trained more and grew, grew more deep and powerful and thoughtful as a man of God. Look at what it says next verse. Verse 31, next verse it says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. Now after Saul goes away, now the church, whole church as a whole, experienced a time of peace, time of growth, time of being built up, as if Saul was the main instigator of all that. Interesting thing here, you know, and, and how um, churches are being built up and grown up here. And so this is, a, this is a one part. Now, I need to talk about the next part a little bit quickly. And, and, and because it, it's such an important connection here. See, the chapter 1 through 12 of the book of Acts is focused, focuses on ministry of Peter to the, to the Jews, mostly in Jews. 13 to 28 really focus more mainly on Apostle Paul, who is Saul, ministries to the Gentiles. And in between is where Saul came to Jerusalem meet with the Peter and other apostles. Now there is a convergence and there is an affirmation of what's happening or not. And this small stories here, next two stories, are set up for next week's message. God is setting up something here. And here, you know, you find while the church is being peaceful, Apostle Peter is going around preaching the gospel, visiting where Christians are, begin to encourage and strengthen them. Now, and in verse 30 to 35, he said, Lida, not Lida, Lida, okay? Now, Peter was traveling through all those regions. He came down also to the saints who lived at Lida. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years. For he was paralyzed. Just in case you do not have a visual of the geography, you'll find is a Jerusalem right here. Okay? Lira is here, about 25 miles uh, northwest. And Joppa is, which is now Jaffa, some 11 miles uh, northwest of Lira. This is Caesarea which is a very important port city. And so, remember, this is uh, Judea and Samaria. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, both in Judea and 
Judea and Samaria, right? So the gospel is being preached, pro progressing throughout the whole region to the ends of the earth. It is going to go. Let me go back. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ hears you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he got up, and all who lived the litter and Sharon saw him, and they returned to the Lord. Sharon, if you look at the map, this region right, is all called Sharon, right? And the, what happened to Lydda, and now everybody in this region hears about what, what, how uh, that man was, Aeneas was healed, and now people come to know Jesus Christ. I, I'm not, I'm not going to spend through a lot, of, a lot here. I'm going to go to the next story. How many have heard about a person named Tabitha in the Bible? When I think about Tabitha, I always think about bewitched. Right? Bewitched, right? The, the daughter of, right? Daughter, right? Bewitched. Anyway, so I love, this is one of my favorite stories. And the, the reason I want to dwell on the next 10 minutes on this is because often when you look at history, we look at big things done by very famous people. But there are a lot of other small stories that goes on, which we are not, usually are not talked about at all. What you find today is a story of a woman. She didn't have a gift of teaching, no miracles or anything. Her gift was not prophetic or anything spectacular or not. She was a woman. It says there, now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. Now, I highlighted this word disciple here. Okay? Okay, right here, right? Now, the, the reason I do that is because right before this, maybe if you go back a little bit, you know, Peter came to Lydda because there were saints who lived the Lydda. There's a little distinction between saints and disciples here. And, and, and Peter came to an area called Lydda city, and there were Christians there, saints were there. And now comes there's a, not just a saint, but disciple, follower of Christ, growing in Christ, uh, a name, a uh, uh, woman here named Tabitha. Which, translated in Greek, is Dorcas. Dorcas. Not Dork. Dorcas, okay? All right. Which means like a gazelle. Means gazelle. All right? And this woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. Oh, she's really known as one who really loved people, showed kindness to. She had acts of charity. Actually, other, other translation says this way. The NLT says she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. This woman was full of good works and acts of mercy, which she did. New heart, English version. So she had a compassion, doing good things, showing kindness to people. And now, though this story is important because this story, what happens to her, relates to chapter 10 where Cornelius and the, there is a Pentecost for the Gentiles happened in Caesarea is really sparked by what happened to this woman. Let me go on into the story. It says, okay, now, um, yeah, I'm so excited, I'm moving ahead, okay. I'm just reminded, James chapter 1 verse 27, apostle, no, apostle James, brother of Jesus says, Pure and undefiled religion in, in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Somehow in God's eyes, all more than all the things we do, what is a pure and undefiled religion really God really honors, God really loves is the people we live in, the compassion, caring for the defenseless, caring for the voiceless. In those days, there's no welfare system. If you're orphan and widow, you have no living whatsoever. Church took care of them. Okay, that's what it talks about here. Let me go on to the passage. And it happened at the time that she fell sick and died. When they had washed her body, they laid it in upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, 11 miles away, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring, imploring him to not delay in coming to us. 
So Peter arose and went with them. Probably went and within a day's journey. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics, outer garments and undergarments that Dorcas used to make while she was with him. This oldest woman showed up, widow shows up, and weeping and showing what she has done for them. And, 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 and seeing all that, Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. So Tabitha kumi, Tabitha kumi. And she opened the eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and raised her up and calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Now when you read the story, when you see this, what happened, now you have to, if you, we, and last year we went to the book of Mark and we, that, this story should ring in your, bed, in, in your head. It's, it's where Jesus heals that, you know, the, the, this uh, uh, a Roman uh, uh, leader's daughter, Jairus, uh, Jairus' daughter, the synagogue leader's daughter who died, and how Jesus comes to the home, and, and on the way she dies, and the, the people said to not bother the master because she dies. And she, she, he, he, Jesus tells her, mom and dad, don't worry, just believe. Walks and people are all crying, all kind of thing. Jesus tells them to get out. And, and just bringing mom and dad and, and a couple of his disciples, he goes to her, right? And he says in the room where she was lying and holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi. Talitha kumi. Which means, little girl, get up. Touch, get, hold, holding her hands, Talitha kumi. Remember what, remember what Peter did here? Tabitakumi, almost, almost identical words, right? And he takes her hand and raises her up. It's almost same thing what Jesus did. Bible is saying Peter did what he saw Jesus did. He did what Jesus, he saw Jesus do right here. And this woman who died come back to life. Look at what it says. And he became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. There was a healing that happened in, uh, in, in Lydda. Now there's a resurrection that happens in Joppa. And now the stories of what Christ has done, God is doing through Peter, through in the name of Jesus Christ goes, and people are hearing about what God is doing. I, this story really struck me as it was the story about Barnabas. This woman named uh, Tabitha Dorcas was really using her gifts. Her gift was not uh, healing or anything. She, her gift was just being kind, a mercy. That's what she did. She did what she, what she could do, caring for the poor and the weak, and she loved those people. And, 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 she began, and that's how she lived, shared the gospel with people, living it out with people. And this story really struck me because often it is so easy to be enamored by people with special giftings, special things they have, but yet what about, most of us are not in that place. Most of us are not, do not have those, you know, those very flamboyant, you know, very spectacular gifts. Most of us, our gifts are serving, being kind, being merciful. Those are our gifts. And you, do not, you, you serve God, you love God in your own way. And she did it by making clothes for the people. The thought that I really had was this. You see, when we encourage people, it invites God's miracles to come. And she was dispensing hope to people. And she, she loved on them with a, a kindness, she was bringing hope to them. Just as Barnabas encouraged Saul and, and opened the door for him, for God to work in his life, she was doing it in her own way. God uses many different things, and simply these things. A few thoughts and I'll end. Are you in God's desert school of character development? Some of, some of you may be in their place. God is 
taking you into a place of Arabia, training you. And I'm some, somebody said, when you, when you serve God and love God as a Christian, usually there's three stages. First stage is when things are easy. Second stage is when things are difficult. Third stage is when things look impossible. Okay? When, 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 it, when things look impossible, you depend on God more. In the beginning, when you, when you come to know God, everything seems very easy. God gives you everything I want, I need it right now. As we mature, God doesn't always give us everything I need, I want right now. God allows difficulties, and sometimes I will see face impossibilities. We trust in God more. And God does it in the school of Arabia, school of training. That's why God sent Moses into desert for 40 years. Joseph went through 13 years of all the difficulty in Egypt. So God can raise him up to use him. And are you in the school of desert when God is training you, changing your character, making you man and woman of God? If you are, be encouraged. This is, this is God's way of weaving steel into the fabric of your life. God is strengthening you. Second thing. Are you a builder of hope? Are you a builder of hope? Be an encourager, door opener today for someone. See, Barnabas was a builder of hope. Be an encourager. As you encourage, you open door for people. So I think when I look at today's story, it's the passage I see God is calling us to be a hope builder. Encourage or open door for others. I tell you, uh, when I hear stories about, love hearing stories from Irene and Danny's home, as you encourage people, what you're doing, you're opening a door for the ones that have a hope in their life. Be an encourager, door opener today for someone. Third, look at this. Are you a dispenser of hope? That's what Dorcas was and Tabitha was. Show kindness and mercy today for someone. You are dispensing hope. Showing kindness and mercy today for someone. Finally, last one. I really believe this is true. Hope builders prepare room for God's miracles in our lives and the lives of others. Because, because of what Dorcas and Tabitha did, she made a room for God to do, bring miracles in her life. And the Christ, name of Christ is exalted everywhere. And, and as, we, as hope builders, we prepare a place where God could work through. That's what Barnabas was. was opening a door for others to his encouragement. He was not as, was as famous or the powerful preacher that Paul would become, but he was the one who opened the door for Paul. He was the one who made a way for him. Tabitha's life opened the door for God to come. The people in the whole area can hear about our God's, God's grace. Be a hope builder. We are called to be house of prayer for everyone. We are called to be hope bringers. Thus, the picture, I love this picture. Add hope to your life. Add hope to other, others around you. I'm playing with the hope, okay? okay? Hope, yes. Literally hope. As well as that we, we want to be hope center. We want to bring hope to others as well. We are, to, we are called to be hope builders. Hope, errors of hope to people. That is good. And I tell you... Uh, and I came a little early today because I had a, we had a, I had a meeting with some leaders today about uh, Covenant Life Group. I saw, I, as I came in, walked in, I saw about five or six people setting up chairs here. You don't know, and, and the thing is, I saw a pro who's new at our church, only been here like less than two months. I see her setting up chairs, you know, and, you know, and, and I, was, I was smiling all over, you know, and it's like, you know, and, and we are builders of hope. You know, and finding uh, how we can build up one another. 
you know, and for us to worship on Sunday, there are people who come early to set up the chairs, put out the flags, uh, poles out there or not. And, and we, are all, we are all called to be hope builders in some degree. And more than anything, we are supposed to be encouragers, enc- encouraging others, building up others. Not criticizing is easy to do. Anybody can do. Anybody can criticize. Encouragement is very difficult to do. Encouraging people. Seeing best in people. I like the way that uh, Chris Valen talks about for him. Prophetic really is seeing best in people. Seeing what God sees in people. More than all the other things. You seeing what, how God sees people. You know, and, and encouraging people with that. We are called to be encouragers, our nation. Amen. We are all called to be encouraged. Now, I'll tell you, you know, uh, while I was walking around talking to people and a couple, I think it was a Chinese couple with the two kids, no, Indian couple with two kids, and they said they came from Elika City. And I walked in, they said, why are you guys doing this? What is that? We said, I told them, I told them, we are church. We are new in this area. We want our community to know that we care. They said, oh, thank you for doing this. And they came five, six miles away, brought their kids. And some, some, some little encouragement really reminds you why you're doing and that that helps. Encouragement builds up, builds up our lives. And we are called to be encouragers, building up others. I'm telling you, I'm, I, I love this guy. I love Richard. You know, and not as much as my wife, but I hope not. <laughs> Because I know he pushes, pushes, and things, you know, and really, come on, let's get it done. But he is one who has been really, uh, really, in some way, uh, some way, really reminding us the heart of God. It's about loving people, loving our community, and because God loves them. And he has been encouraged to many, and I see so many of you, you encourage me, you encourage all of us. I tell you, I cannot stop talking about Ivan and Danny. You know, and I, I, I cannot stop talking about Lam and Anne to all the people. And, and you guys are my biggest encouragements. And I tell you how wonderful our God has been. And we are called to be encouraged, build up others. Not only here in the church, but in our workplaces, encouraging and building up others. That's how we love people. We open doors for them. We build them up. Let's have a praise team come. You guys are so beautiful. They are. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna get to talk about Barnabas more. I mean, I tell you this. I don't know if there's anybody else I love more in the Bible than Barnabas. Very few out there. And he was. He didn't mind becoming a second fiddle. He didn't mind becoming nobody so that others can be better. And, and admire him for him, willing to let others take the, a prime, uh, take a spotlight, encouraging, building them up. And he was one who really embodied the humility of Christ. Let's all stand before God. I want you to hear this morning, this afternoon, what God says to you. You are greatly loved. You are amazingly loved. Amazingly loved by our God. He saw, um, he saw best in you when nobody else did. And, and, and even when you're enemies, He saw beauty, some, some beauty in us we couldn't even recognize. He gave Himself so that we may find life in Him. Today we, we celebrate communion. Because the communion reminds me that he saw something. He saw best in us. Even though we have failed many, many times, he would not give up on us. One of the, uh, one of the, uh, the trunk, trunk theme they did was Lego. I love that, that card they gave out. Jesus never le- Lego you. Right? I love it. You know, and people are so uh, creative. He will never let go of you, okay? Let go of you, okay? <laughs> okay. 
Good enough. Okay. I want, I want to ask you to put your hands on your heart right now. As your hands are on your heart. I, I sense our God putting his hand on your heart, my heart, saying that I have never, I have not given up on you. When Saul failed miserably, became avid enemy of God, God still saw in him worth and beauty and God saved him gave him a life he, God chased after him when he was fighting against him God gave him a life that God says I will not ever let you go I will always stand by you your past does not define who you are what I say will define who you are he said in his word in Philippians chapter 1, He who started a good work in you, that's Christ Jesus, you perfect it until the day of Christ. He said he will perfect it and he will. That is the one who loves you and me, delights over us, fighting for us, building in us the heart after God, making us more like him every day. He delights over you, sings over you, and dances over you because he sees his love in you, which He poured out upon you. So we come this day today, we love you, we love you for loving us, oh God. We say we are yours, we belong to you, God. You are the ultimate encourage and builder. You are the comforter, oh God. We want to be more like you, God. We want to love as you have loved. We want to encourage as you have encouraged. You want to chase after the loss as you have done for us. We love you, we honor you, we give you glory. Thank you, oh God, we give you glory today. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, amen.